Morning, everybody. Morning. I'll do my best not to have that be continued to blink at us. Good to see everyone here today. I want you to know we're glad you're here. We hope you'll come back and be with us again here at Inslee Avenue whenever you can, whenever you have the opportunity. Uh, I think you will find it's a group of people who are simply trying to follow Jesus and to do as much good among our neighbors and community as we can as we follow him. So please, if that sounds good to you, come join us. Keep coming back. One reminder Robbie wanted me to make, today at 4.30, Lindsley Avenue is actually having an evening service down here tonight. We have a visiting group of young men from the Mount Juliet Church of Christ, known as the Circuit Riders. Some young men who go around and conduct worship services gives them an opportunity to uh, gain some experience. So that's at 4.30 this evening. If you have the opportunity and desire to come back, please feel free to join us back here at 4.30 today. Uh, if you like the singing, uh, Evan always does a great job. If you like the singing, next week we're having another somewhat special service. It's not the fifth Sunday or anything, but we're going to have a focus on the words of the songs. We did something like that a few months ago, but it was more the theme of the songs. We've got a lot of songs, some we haven't sung here in a good while, but I think we all, many of us will know that. We're going to do that next week with talking about the words of songs and then three or four in a row and then talking about the words of songs of three or four in a row. So if you like singing and like singing with Evan next week, I think will be a really a good experience. So again, thanks everybody for being here. Uh, this morning, we're going to be back in 2 Corinthians 8. We were in 2 Corinthians 8 last week for a totally different reason when we talked about giving. And as I understand it, nobody's wallet was sought after after the sermon on giving last week. But this week we're going to talk about let's all be a Titus. Let's all be a Titus. And we should, I really don't know why that's blinking. But we should, I think, all know who Titus is. Uh, there's a picture of what somebody thinks Titus looked like. Uh, no one who was alive at the time, to my knowledge, ever drew a picture of Titus. But if you Google Titus New Testament, look for pictures, that one will come up. Somebody thinks he looked like that. And we're going to be back in 2 Corinthians 8 and talk about Titus. So join me in that study. Pick up in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 16. Paul here says, But thanks be to God who put it into the heart of Titus, the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. That's what Phil read a moment ago. As for Titus, Paul continues on, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. As for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. So when we're thinking about Titus, what do we know about Titus? Well, first of all, there's an entire book with his name in the New Testament. I mean, Max was doing this earlier where we were singing the songs of the books of the New Testament toward the end of it. Home stretch, kind of. We get to First and Second Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. So there's an entire book. And the book of Titus starts out in the first five verses with this statement by the Apostle Paul. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect, that's all of us, and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness and hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began and at the proper time, manifested in his word 
through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior to Titus. He's writing to Titus. Paul likes to write long sentences. He definitely likes to write long sentences, which can make it tough to read. But in speaking to Titus, Paul says to Titus in the next verse, I left you in Crete. I left you in Crete. So what's going on with that? Well, Paul's last missionary journey, where he's actually in chains being taken to Rome, he stopped at Crete, right? He stopped to Crete, where he was probably put to death in Rome on that last journey. We don't know for sure, but we don't know any different. They stopped at Crete. So you can see the line going from Judea down in the bottom right corner, kind of across the Mediterranean Sea up to Italy. Crete is in kind of the middle of the picture. Well, here's a zoomed-in picture of the island of Crete. Uh, Titus may have remained behind on that island when they stopped there. We don't know for sure when Paul left Titus behind in Crete, but when you say to somebody, I left you behind in Crete, it kind of makes you think he would have been there too, right? If you left your phone behind in a hotel room, the suggestion would be that you had been in the hotel room. So Paul and Titus would seemingly have been in Crete, and Paul left Titus behind. We're not aware of Paul ever being in Crete any other time, so that's why this is a possibility. Crete's a relatively small island. You can tell there it looks rather thin going across from east to west. It's about the distance from Knoxville to Nashville, Nashville to Knoxville. So what is that, roughly 160 miles, maybe something like that. So it's kind of long, not very wide. Paul left him behind in Crete with an important message. So what else do we know about Titus? Well, we know he was of a Greek background, not a Jewish background. In Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 and 3, Paul here writing says, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. But even Titus, Paul then continues, who was not forced to, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, although he was a Greek. So Titus, by this statement, certainly is a Greek. He was not circumcised. Jewish men were circumcised. And sometimes when you went to a very Jewish area, if you were going to be anywhere around Jewish Christians, especially early in the time of the church in the New Testament, Jewish people were often very strongly encouraged to go ahead and be circumcised to avoid talk or uh, trouble in the ranks. But here, Paul says, Titus was not forced to be circumcised. So Titus has a Greek background, not a Jewish background. Apparently, Titus became a Christian after having been born a Gentile. He became a very close companion of Paul, just like Timothy was a very close companion of Paul, and appears in several places in the New Testament, Titus does. Not just the book of Titus. When you look at when Paul goes to Jerusalem, that passage that's mentioned here in Galatians chapter 2, when Paul paid his visit to Jerusalem, after all, Paul had seen the light from heaven on the road to Damascus. He became a follower of Jesus, a Christian at that point, but before then he had been persecuting Christians, putting some Christians in chains, sending them off, some of them perhaps, to their death. We first run into Paul, who was called Saul at the time, as Stephen is being stoned. And Paul, we are told, was consenting or in favor of what was happening. So Christians probably looked very suspiciously at Paul for a good while. Why would you just assume that uh, he's had a change of heart? After all, he was dragging people off to prisons. He was happy somebody was being stoned and put to death. It took a while 
for Christians and the apostles to really accept Paul and Paul's about face, his 180 that he did. When he went to Jerusalem to try to say, hey, I am a Christian, I am a follower of Jesus, and Jesus appeared to me. When he went to Jerusalem to talk to the apostles about this, it was Titus that he took along with him and Barnabas. When Paul was facing some of his toughest circumstances, he had Titus alongside of him. You know, if you want to think about it, right? If you've ever had to go have a hard conversation, you've really ever had a hard situation, you may have been tempted to carry get a good close friend or a family member to go along with you. Moral support, we might call it, right? When Paul needed moral support, if that's what he's thinking here, he had Barnabas and Titus with him. Titus was also very trustworthy. The book of Titus starts again in Titus 1. This is verse 4 and 5. He says, To Titus, my true child and a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. This is why, Paul says, I left you in Crete. Why? So that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I, Paul, directed you. Paul left him with a big task to finish. Paul apparently had come into Crete, had come in, preached the gospel. There had been people who had believed in Jesus, who had become Christians. They had gathered together in congregations in the different towns. And so you have churches. Paul leaves Titus behind in Crete so that they can get organized to help the people in the congregation grow and to protect against people from outside trying to lure Christians away. That's one of the purposes of establishing elders in a congregation. Paul didn't have time to do that before he left, whether it's to be drug away to Rome or for some other trip we don't know about. Paul left Titus behind and said, you're trustworthy, you take care of this. I left you there so that you can finish what we started. That's a big job. You don't give someone a big job without a whole lot of confidence in them, without a lot of trust, that they're going to do things the way you would have wanted them done too. Back to 2 Corinthians. Look again at what Paul said about Titus. Thanks be to God, Paul says back in 2 Corinthians 8, who put into the heart of Titus God put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care that he had for the Corinthians. Paul had this earnest care and desire and love for the Corinthians. Titus had the same feeling in his heart. God put into Titus' heart the same love and affection and care for the Corinthians that Paul had. For he, Titus, not only accepted our appeal to go to Corinth, but being himself very earnest and intense, he's going to you out of his own accord. He wants to do this. He's not merely doing it because we asked him to or we told him to. He wants to do it because he wants to do it. Right? When the situation called for somebody to go back to Corinth, Titus got up and went. He was the man to send to a place where there was trouble. Apparently had a, a gift for practical administration. Fancy words. He had the gift of being in a tough situation and making things turn out the way they really should have. Remember, he was left behind in Crete with the job of appointing elders, setting elders up in congregations. That wouldn't have been easy. And here he is sent back to Corinth where there had been trouble. In the New Testament, more words are written to the church at Corinth than any other specific congregation. 
if you look at the number of words that were written to a church, more are written to Corinth in 1st and 2nd Corinthians than any other place. The big reason for that is they have a lot of problems. They have a lot of problems. Titus gets sent back in order to go and help clean things up and keep them on the right path. And so in this case, Paul has uh, chose, chosen Titus, sending Titus to go and collect the monies that were gathered for the poor saints, the saints down in uh, Judea who were in trouble. We talked about that last week. That was why all the talk on either side of these verses here in 2 Corinthians 8 talked about giving, having a heart of giving. The giving was to help the people in Judea who were undergoing a famine. Titus was sent to make sure the monies were collected and gathered with a couple of other people so that they could end up getting that carried down to Jerusalem. They had accountants back then too. They call it segregation of duties. You don't send just one person. You send multiple people so that everybody can help keep an eye on everybody else and nobody's tempted to run off with the monies. But Paul sends Titus to help organize the collection. Here's the first question for us today. When there's an appeal, something needs to be done. When there's a need, something needs to be done. Do I have to get told to go do it? Or do I want freely admit, confession time, there have been a lot of times in my life I've had to be told to go do something by somebody in a position of authority. Mom and dad started it off. Right? Sometimes that can happen. It's something I, you probably know needs to be done, but you're kind of hoping nobody sees you. Somebody else will take care of it. But there have been other times something needs to be done, and this is a sign of maturity, of growing you see something that needs to be done, and you don't wait for it. You simply get up and do it. Titus was asked to do this, but he was already, in a sense, busting at the seams, wanting to go do it anyway. Which one of those pictures describes me? Continuing on, Titus was the man for a tough assignment as well. Back earlier in 2 Corinthians, um, when there was trouble at Corinth, Paul had written what's called a very tough letter to him. A very tough letter, a letter full of tears. He really tore into the people at Corinth. Paul sent Titus to carry that letter. Think about it. If you're writing hard words to somebody and you need to hand it off, the last thing you want to do is go tell somebody something they don't want to hear. Paul couldn't go to Corinth, but he sends that hard letter with Titus. Titus was someone who could deliver harsh news, hard news, in a way people would listen. That's a very important thing, too. Paul also has certain titles, great titles and responsibilities for Titus. Let's look at some of those rather quickly. He calls Titus his partner and fellow worker. We've seen this already. As for Titus, Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 8, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. Titus was all in the same work Paul has. Whenever people in, enter into a partnership in business, that's really important. You've got to be able to trust that partner because you're partners. A decision by one can affect everybody. Right? There was a big accounting firm that went out of business because some partners made some bad choices. If you look for Arthur Anderson today, that was their name. They used to be the biggest accounting firm in the world. They are no more because partners Decision by one is a decision by all. 
made some bad choices and caused them to go, right? Paul calls Titus my partner. Titus is making a decision. It's going to be a decision Paul is essentially willing to live with. We are in this together. He is representing me. I represent him. We're in this together. He's my partner. There's a great deal of trust involved. You wouldn't pick somebody at random and say, hey, you be my partner and go take care of this. No, there's a great deal of trust involved. He says that Titus walked in the same spirit that he did. He knew Titus would deal with things in the same way that he would have dealt with them themselves. You know, I have this reputation for being very kind and quiet and gentle whenever some problem is occurring. I don't ever get worked up. I don't ever get annoyed or have any kind of emotion. I'm, I'm teasing you. That's often not the way I respond when pressure happens. But suppose I did, right? And then if I need somebody to go do something, I want to pick someone who's essentially the same as me, somebody gentle and quiet, right? You don't pick somebody who's the exact opposite. If Paul were going to go take care of something, he's choosing someone with the same spirit, the same approach, who's going to have this. It's going to be as if Paul is there. When Titus is there, it's as good as Paul being there. And he said here in 2 Corinthians 12, 18, this is in a different chapter, I urged Titus to go and send the brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? And it's a rhetorical question. No. Did we not act in the same spirit? Didn't Titus act the same way that I would have acted? Did we not take the same steps? And the answer to these questions is yes. Titus and Paul were almost interchangeable because they had the same spirit. He also calls, and this is so important, he calls Titus his brother. Back in 2 Corinthians 2, Paul says, When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I could not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. Troas is near the old city of Troy, where you had the Trojan War. Troas was located just a few miles away from where the ruins of Troy from that war, if any war happened. Uh, had the city where that had occurred. Paul got to Troas by himself. A great opportunity was there to preach. He couldn't stay there because he couldn't find his brother Titus. He wanted to be near someone that he, that he loved, that he felt a close connection to. Brothers and sisters ought to have that kind of close connection to each other. Look around the auditorium. Look in your own life. We are to be brothers and sisters. And if one of us is having a problem, all of us should essentially be sharing in that problem. We should be loving enough to care and help and reach out. Not much of a brother or sister if I ignore what a brother or sister is going through. Paul wanted to be with Titus and couldn't find rest until they got together. He went across the ocean over to Greece, let Troas behind. The great day for a preacher or a teacher, you put it in that kind of perspective, is when the one who's been taught is able to essentially replace them, take their place in the work of the church, not so much as a junior, but an equal. Uh, it, it can be a difficult thing if you've had teachers in school. Eventually you get old enough that they don't want you to call them Mrs. Smith anymore. You know, because you're not in that student relationship any longer. You're pretty close to equal. Well, 
Titus is Paul's brother. Titus grew up, if you will, as a Christian alongside Paul and reached the point to where we're, we're side by side. We're brothers. We're in this together. He also calls Titus his true child. And these titles, I, I try to put them in order because I think they're showing more and more endearment and closeness to each other. That may very well have meant that Paul converted Titus. Because sometimes we talk about becoming somebody's child in the gospel as because of our study together, our teaching together, that caused me to decide to become a Christian. Paul says this in Titus, again, Titus chapter 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to Titus, my true child in a common faith. Titus may very well have been converted through the teaching and preaching of Paul. Nothing in this world will give a teacher a greater joy than to see someone who's been taught become useful. But what you want to do as a teacher is essentially to teach and train your own replacements. The world's not going to be a very good place if we all aren't trying to do that. How much more so to train people and teach people and look for people who can step up in terms of service to God as well. He gave the Titus a great task. We talked about this before. He sent him to Crete to set things in order. But perhaps more importantly, Titus chapter 2 verse 7 says for Titus to be a model, an example to the Christians in uh, Crete. You know, I often have said, don't imitate me. I have too many failings. I have too many issues where I don't do the right thing when I should. Don't imitate me. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. If you see me imitating Jesus, then you're effectively imitating Jesus if you would do what Gene is doing. Don't ever, please, don't ever just, Gene did it, it's got to be okay. I'd hate to have somebody do that if I'm in the middle of making some mistake. But Titus was to be the example, the model. How tough would that be? Everything you do, Titus, they're going to be watching you so you live as an example to these people. That's what we all ought to do. That's what I ought to do. Titus was someone Paul was confident would be a good example to the Christians on Crete. I think most of us would probably say we would wish we'd be a better example. So the greatest compliment by Paul Payson is he sent them not just to talk about what a Christian was, but to show them what a Christian was. And we all have that uh, phrase, it's easy to talk the talk, say the words. It's not always easy, what, to walk the walk. Let's do a better job this week, all of us, myself included, of walking the walk. What are we supposed to be doing as our New Year's resolution this year? Bear one another's burdens. So fulfill the law of Christ. Let's love our neighbor and bear our burdens. Let's do a better job this week than whatever job you may have done last week. If it was a terrible job, it should be easy to do a better job. If you did a pretty good job last week, work to make an even better effort at it this week. Show people what a Christian really is all about. Show them, don't just tell them. No greater responsibility, no higher compliment than to send somebody to show someone this is what a follower of Jesus looks like. There are two kinds of people. You can divide people up in many different groupings, but there's two kinds that relate to this, I think. 
They're the kinds of people who can make a bad situation worse. I've known some of those of you. There's a problem here, and this person goes in and it blows up. It's a whole lot worse than it was before. Better to have not gone at all than to go and make something worse. And those who can bring order out of chaos, who can turn a stressful, strife-filled situation into someplace that's peaceful. We should all, all of us work to be a Titus. Work to be a Titus. And so the question I like to ask, it's on... By the way, there are these little magnets that Bobby had put together out in the lobby. I have my favorite New Testament verse of all of them. It says, The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth, and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? We should all try to be like Titus. We should all be the kind of person who shows other people what kind of behavior a Christian has. So my question for you this morning is, what kind of showing have we been doing with our lives in this last week, two, three, four? If you look back on what you have shown other people, has it been showing them what a Christian should be most of the time or much of the time? If it hasn't been showing people what they ought to be seeing, then I want to ask you please to consider a change. Change your life so that it better shows people what a follower of Jesus would be doing in the situations you're in. But if you're not yet a member of God's family, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you're not showing anybody much of anything, really. Become a member of God's family by understanding Jesus died for you. He died to pay the price for all the wrong things you have ever done. He paid the price for all the wrong things I have ever done. Understand that God loves you so much he sent his son into the world so that you could have eternal life by believing in him. That means changing the direction from living the way I want to do to the direction of living the way God wants me to work, to live. And we need to confess and acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God and to acknowledge what Jesus did for us. And then we reenact the death, burial, and resurrection that gave us the hope of eternal life by dying to ourselves in the water of baptism raised to walk as a new person. That's called becoming a Christian. If any of those situations apply to you today, please don't let today get away without either coming back to God, asking for prayer and forgiveness, or by changing your life and becoming a follower of Jesus today as we stand in sin.